All right, if you have your Bibles or your device this morning, please open them up to one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. John chapter 11. We have been there for several weeks now. We have been looking at this great story about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in his relationship with Mary, Martha, and a man named Lazarus. The reason I believe this is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible because it allows us to see Jesus Christ in all of his personage. We have a real opportunity in chapter 11 of the Gospel of John to see Christ in all of his deity as well as all of his humanity. We see Jesus' deity very clearly in verses 11 and 14 when Jesus Christ announces to his apostles that Lazarus has died and that he will raise him back to life. But we see Jesus Christ's humanity in two simple words recorded by the gospel writer John when he says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. We have a fancy theological word to describe what it was I was just speaking about. It's this word. It's called the incarnation. It means that Jesus Christ was 100% God, 100% man in the person of Christ. Don't worry if you can't wrap your mind around it. None of us can. How in the world can one person be all man and at the same time be all God? But what we learn in Scripture is it's the truth. It is a truth that is taught throughout the Word of God. And there is no chapter that makes it more clear to us than chapter 11 of the Gospel of John when we are able to see Jesus Christ in his deity raise, uh, raise Lazarus from the dead, but then also in his humanity weep over the hurt and the pain that he sees in the life of Martha and Mary. This morning I want us to spend a few moments focusing on the humanity of Christ. When I sat down at the beginning of this week and I prepared this message, I did not realize all that this week would entail. But I will say this, oftentimes God gives us what we need in advance. This week on Friday, I was a part of a funeral that took place here at Crestwood Baptist Church. Also on Friday, Miss Sandy Talbert passed into eternity and will be having her funeral here. I never anticipated what these words would mean to me today when I first began to study this text at the beginning of the week. But as I've gone back and reflected on the words of Jesus Christ, this is what I have come to realize. I am so grateful that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can relate to me in the grief and the pain of this world that I live in. I don't know all that's going on in your life this morning, 
I don't know what hurt you may be experiencing. I don't know what pain you are facing, what loss may have come your way. I'm not certain, but I do know this. We serve a Savior that we can bring our hurts and our pains to and we can leave them at His feet. He's big enough to handle them and to deal with them in the proper way. We can trust Him to do that. So I encourage you this morning, if you're walking through a time of hurt, pain, loss in your life, I hope by the end of this day, you will just take that hurt, that grief, that pain, that anguish, whatever it is that you're facing, and you'll just place it at the feet of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and just allow Him to take care of whatever it is that you're facing. And I promise you this, He will provide whatever healing you need to your heart. It may be a destroyed relationship. It may be a loss of a family member that you're still grieving over. I encourage you to lay it at the feet of Jesus Christ. He'll provide what you need to see you through. Now, I want you to listen to this passage. And I think what we're going to see in this passage is three aspects of the humanity of Jesus Christ that really helps us to deal with grief, anguish, sorrow, loss in an appropriate way in our lives. Listen to what he says here. When she had said this, that is Martha, remember Jesus Christ, verse 28, Jesus Christ has just been having this conversation with Martha. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Seems like Mary has taken a page out of Martha's book. These are the exact same words that Martha had just previously spoken to Jesus Christ. Now, I want us to understand the context. I don't at all think that Martha or Mary is making an accusation against Jesus Christ. I don't think that Mary is saying to Jesus, why in the world were you not here? Jesus, if you were here, my brother would be okay today. I don't think that's what she's saying. I don't think she's accusing Jesus Christ. I think what Mary is doing is what we often do when we find ourselves in the midst of grief. We are expressing what's on our heart. Have you ever found yourself in that position before? Haven't you? I have when I'm grieving over the loss of a loved one. We generally express what's in our heart. Mary is grieving. She's hurting. But I want you to see how Jesus Christ chooses to respond to Mary. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Two words here, the shortest verse of Scripture in the English Bible. Jesus wept. I'll give you a good trivia question here. You can ask somebody sometime. Ask them what is the shortest verse in the Bible. They will say Jesus wept. But actually the shortest verse in the Bible is rejoice always. It's one word in the Greek. Whereas this is more than one word in the Greek. So there you go. That's a trivia question. You can throw that on your friends the next time you're playing biblical Bible trivia at home. I know you're all doing that, right? All right. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, our prayer is very simple this morning. We just simply ask that you would bless the reading of your word. Lord God, please hide me behind the cross. Lord, use me to be your mouthpiece to speak truth into the lives of your people. And Lord, my prayer is we will simply not be hearers of the word, but we will be doers of the word, taking what we've learned and apply to our lives. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. This morning, what I want us to do is we look at this particular passage of Scripture, this text here, part of this great story that we've been examining on Sunday mornings. I want to simply share with you three aspects of the humanity of Christ that we clearly see revealed to us in this story. So if you're taking notes this morning, number one, Jesus' humanity is clearly seen through his grief and pain. In the same way that we experience grief and pain in this world that we live in, Jesus Christ in his humanity experienced grief and pain just like we do. If there is any passage in the Word of God that makes that clear, abundantly clear, it is this passage of Scripture. In the opening verses of the text, John tells us that Jesus saw Mary weeping. And as a result of the weeping, it says that he was deeply moved and greatly troubled. In other words, when Jesus saw Mary's sorrow, it struck him to the very core of his spirit. It troubled him. He hurt for Mary. You ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that when you grieve in your life, when you experience anguish, pain, loss in your life, that there is a Savior who grieves with you? Isn't that what this story is teaching us here? Jesus Christ saw Mary coming to him. She is weeping uncontrollably. And it says that Jesus Christ was deeply moved within his spirit. And he was greatly troubled at what he saw. Jesus Christ sought to sympathize with Mary in her grief. Aren't you grateful that we have a Savior who chooses to sympathize with us in our times of grief and hurt? 
Isn't that what Jesus Christ is doing in this story? But can I suggest to you this morning that the hurt and pain that Martha feels and what Jesus Christ feels for Martha in her hurt and pain goes beyond sympathy. It actually goes to the point of empathy. You know, sometimes I think we confuse those two words. We confuse the word sympathy with empathy, empathy, and we use them almost as though they're interchangeable. Have you ever found yourself doing that? But can I tell you that these two words are very, very different? The word sympathy means to feel pity or sorrow for someone who is experiencing misfortune in life. On the other hand, the word empathy means the ability to put oneself in someone else's situation. You've heard the old expression, don't talk about that person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. That's empathy. Let me illustrate it like this. If a person came to my office who was heartbroken over the loss of a grandparent, I could empathize with that person. And the reason I could empathize with that person is because I have experienced that firsthand in my life. I could put myself in their shoes and walk through what it is that they are facing. If that same person comes to my office and they are heartbroken over the loss of a spouse or over the loss of a child, I can show them sympathy. I can look at their experience and feel sorrow for them, and I hope that I would, but I cannot empathize with them because I've never lost a child to death or a spouse to death. But I will tell you this, there is a Savior who can not only sympathize with us, but He can also empathize with us and his name is Jesus Christ Jesus Christ knows what it is to experience grief and pain that we experience in this life he was human just like us and we can have assurances that is true you know how we can have that assurance I want you to listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah writing about the Messiah Jesus Christ listen carefully to what it is that he says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. If you are a person who loves to underscore portions of Scripture in your Bible, I would encourage you to underscore that portion there where it says, He has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. 
There is no sorrow or grief that we will experience in this life that our Savior Jesus Christ cannot sympathize and empathize with us in it. He has already passed through it at the cross at Calvary. At the cross, Jesus Christ bore in His body not only the sins of mankind, but all of our hurts, pains, griefs, sorrows in His humanity He has bore it all on our behalf. As much as I would love as your pastor to be able to empathize with you in everything that you face in life, I realize there is a reality. I cannot do that. But I will tell you, there is one who can do that. I want you to understand this morning that our Savior Jesus Christ is not a distant God, but He is very near and real, an ever-present help in times of trouble. He is a God of compassion, full of mercy and grace, and because He has experienced grief and pain in His humanity, He can relate to us in our time of grief and pain. Whatever hurt or pain you're experiencing today, I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you, take it to the feet of Jesus Christ. Don't live life shackled to the past. There are many Christians who do that. They live life shackled to the past because of hurts, grief, pain, loss, anguish in their life. Bury it at the feet of Jesus Christ. I hope I can say this. I think I can. I want you to know we serve a Savior whose shoulders are big enough to carry it all. I encourage you to do that. Number two, Jesus' humanity was clearly seen through the display of human emotion. You know, the question that has been debated throughout the ages is the question, was Jesus Christ truly human? Well, I'll say John provides the answer to that question for us in this text. John said Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit, greatly troubled. He wept. Three times John uses a different phrase to help his readers fully understand the humanity of Jesus Christ. First, he said, deeply moved in his spirit. That's a very unique word or phrase, actually, in the Greek. It carries the ideal of horses stomping their feet and snorting as they prepare to go into battle. This is what Jesus means, or this is what it means. Jesus Christ wasn't a stoic. He wasn't indifferent to Mary's feelings. He entered into Mary's grief with her. That's what it means. Don't we oftentimes think of Jesus kind of as this stoically grandfather figure that never has a smile on his face? Don't we kind of think of Jesus like that? Yeah, we do. But I believe there were times that Jesus Christ was joyous, happy, laughing. I believe there was times that Jesus Christ cried. 
I believe there was times that he felt pain, anguish in his spirit. Let me say this to you. At any point in time we reach down and we remove the humanity of Christ, we take away his emotions, we take away his ability to relate to us in what it is that we walk through each and every day of our lives. He's no longer a personal savior at that time. He was deeply moved in his spirit. It says, second, John says, Jesus was greatly troubled. It means to be distressed in the spirit. I want you to get this. This is unique right here. In other words, it means that Jesus Christ was hurt. You ever thought about the fact that other people's actions could hurt Jesus Christ? Actually, that's what it means here. Now, it raises a very intriguing question when we think about the fact that Jesus was hurt. What was Jesus hurt over? Well, I believe he was hurt over the fact that the people who were closest to him didn't realize who he was. I mean, think about it for a moment. He is the son of the living God. He is the one who has power over death, hell, and the grave. And Martha and Mary and the apostles did not even realize who it was that they were standing in the presence of. He was grieved in his spirit at the fact that they didn't understand. That's what it means. And then John just simply says, Jesus wept. We're never told in this passage of Scripture why Jesus weeps. I mean, we can draw all kinds of conclusions about why Jesus possibly wept. Maybe Jesus is weeping over the fact that Martha and Mary are very close to him. He loves them dearly and he sees them hurting and maybe that's just grieved him. Maybe, just maybe, he's weeping over the fact that he's getting ready to call Lazarus back from the dead into a world that is full of evil and wickedness, and he knows he'll have to die again. Or maybe as he's standing next to that tomb, Jesus is weeping because he's thinking about the horribleness of sin and the ultimate penalty is death, and every single person will die. We don't know. But I will say we know this, and this is what's unique about this word here, Jesus wept. The word in the Greek that is used to refer to the weeping of Jesus Christ is different than the word that is used to refer to the weeping of Mary in the crowd. The word used to describe their weeping is lamenting loudly, wailing. 
The word that is used here to describe Jesus' weeping means to burst into tears. Now this is the point that John is making. It's the reason two different words are used. The difference between Jesus' weeping and the weeping of the crowd in Mary is this. They wept with no hope. Jesus Christ is weeping with hope because He understands He indeed is the hope of the world. Isn't that powerful? I'm going to tell you what, you just stop and think about that for a moment. you got this crowd of people that's wailing out loud. They're crying. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that's how they mourn in Zambia. And Jesus Christ is standing over here, and He is silently crying because He recognizes, He realizes, listen, If you would only look to me, I am the hope of the world. If you would only fix your eyes upon me, I am the one that will overcome death, hell, and the grave. Just look at me. But they don't. They miss it. Now, before we move on, let me clearly say this very quickly. Nowhere in this passage of Scripture does Jesus Christ ever apologize for becoming emotional. He doesn't say, I'm sorry, I can't believe I broke down in tears. He doesn't say that. We've all heard that old expression, big boys don't cry. Can I tell you something? That is a lie. I don't know many boys that were much bigger than Jesus Christ. We find him weeping. Burst into tears. It wasn't that just a few tears trickled down the face of Jesus Christ. I mean, he wept. There is nothing wrong with godly sorrow. That is clearly what is being displayed in the life of Jesus Jesus Christ wasn't ashamed to display human motion. And we shouldn't be either. Would you listen to the words of the Apostle Paul? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. What Paul is saying, there is a right time for both. Jesus Christ makes that very, very clear in his actions in this story. Number three, Jesus' humanity was clearly seen through his love. His love underlies all of His actions. Jesus' actions in this story from the beginning to the end is motivated by love. Listen to what John records for us in verse 36. So the Jews said, See how He loved Him. But some of them said, Could He not open the eyes of the blind man? Also, could He not have kept this man from dying? Just hang on for a moment. You're getting ready to see something you've never seen before in your life. Is what you're getting ready to see. There is no doubt that Jesus Christ loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. As a matter of fact, on two different occasions, John points out that fact. There was a deep love between Jesus and Lazarus. And it was that love, get this, don't miss it, it was that love 
that caused Jesus to delay returning to Bethany. Does that surprise you? You see, I believe that surprises most of us. And the reason being, very rarely do we see that kind of love displayed in the world we live in. True love, agape love, seeks the highest good for the one who is loved. That was surely true of this situation. The highest good for Martha, Mary, Lazarus, and even the apostles on this day was to see the glory of God displayed in the life of Jesus Christ and through His actions. And as a result of that, they would grow in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' love sought the higher good of those that He loved. Do you see it? Now hang with me right here for just a moment and let me make a little practical application. When we see a brother or sister in Christ living in sin and we don't gently confront them in their sin... Are we seeking the higher good of the one loved? When parents see a child that is headed in a wrong direction and they set no boundaries for that child and they don't seek to guide him, are we truly seeking the good of the one that is loved? When we sit by and we allow church members to attack the body of Christ and we don't confront them in that, are we truly seeking the higher good of the one who is loved? When we know that we have a lost neighbor who is dying and going to hell and we don't share the gospel with them, are we seeking the higher good of the one who is loved? Are we? You see, true agape love always seeks the higher good of the one who is loved. That was true with Jesus' actions. Perhaps no verse of Scripture makes this any clearer in the Bible than Romans the 5th chapter and the 8th verse. I'm sure some of you know that verse. Let me read it to you real quick. But God demonstrated His love for us in this way. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. At the cross, Jesus Christ and the Father went together to seek the higher good of the one loved. The one loved was you and I. And it cost God His one and only Son. The Father's love and the Son's love was clearly seen in their action. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I. As many of you know, I love the old hymns. Didn't always love them, but as I've gotten older, I love them more and more. The reason I love them is because they have substance. One of my favorite old hymns 
is this one. You may recognize the title of it when I mention it to you. It goes, the title is, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. You ever heard that song? There is a line in that song that always grabs my attention. It's one of those lines that I spend a lot of time thinking on, chewing on when I hear this song. It goes like this. I want you to listen to the words. When I survey the wondrous cross on which my Savior died. Love so amazing. Love so divine. It demands my soul, my life, my all. Just look up behind me for a moment. At the cross. The cross screams, Love so amazing. Love so divine. That it demands my soul, my life, my all. Let me ask you something this morning, believer. As you look at the cross, love so amazing, love so divine, have you given your soul, your life, you're all to Jesus Christ. Can I say to you something very clearly? That is what the cross of Jesus Christ demands of every follower of Jesus Christ. My soul, my life, my all. Father God, we thank you for your word and the truth of your word and the way it speaks into our hearts and our lives. Father, as we come to this time of invitation this morning, I pray that you would have your way in our lives. That each one of us would stop and examine where we are in our relationship to you. Father, if we are believers, I pray that we would take a step back and Look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Love so amazing, so divine. Demands my soul, my life, my all. I pray that each one of us would ask ourselves that challenging question today. Have I given my all to Jesus Christ? Perhaps there's people here this morning, Lord, who don't know you. I know that you love them. And Lord, you grieve over their lostness. I pray today would be the day that they would come into a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.